You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Okay, so as you heard uh, in news, we have this breaking story involving uh, an investigation into Barry and Honey Sherman, uh, who were initially by Toronto police. Uh, they were working on the theory that it was a, a murder suicide. Uh, we've got new information by a Toronto, a pretty explosive Toronto Star, star investigation, suggesting that, in fact, their private investigators have uh, dis- uh, ruled through their investigation that, in fact, this was murder done by a contract killing. We're going to talk about that with my next guest in just a little uh, couple of minutes because we also have this other huge ongoing story um, in Toronto because a suspect, as you know, is in custody. Bruce MacArthur is his name, and he is accused in the first-degree murder of two men that went missing from the gay village back in the early summer of 2017. And I want to talk to Dave Perry because there are a lot of questions as to how did this go on for so long? How could the police not have known? Because men have been going missing in the village for a number of years. There had been a lot of rumors in the gay village that there may be someone hunting. um, And those concerns had been taken to the Toronto police. But even though a task force had been set up in 2012, um, a lot of people were wondering what is taking so long? Well, often in cases like this, it can take one tiny little clue to break a case open. It's just not as simple as saying, okay, we'll look into it. Oh, look, there it is. There are things like dating apps that are involved in this investigation. There are multiple properties. There are a lot of people that they could be looking at. But really, the police have an amazing amount of information to go through. There'll be multiple jurisdictions that they have to look through. Um, But no question, a lot of information coming in on this case, which of course broke open yesterday with the announcement by Toronto police that they had made the arrest of Bruce MacArthur. He had been charged with first degree murder in connection with the death of two men and new information that they were in fact looking at a possible serial killer. Let's bring Dave Perry into the conversation. He is a former homicide detective who I know well from the field. He's now a security expert. Thanks for joining us, Dave. My pleasure. All right, let's first of all tackle this investigation into Bruce Bruce MacArthur because it's not just as simple as we've got him in custody now and, um, you know, case closed. There's a lot that they have to go through. So how difficult and complex is an investigation like this? These tend to be the most complex investigations you you could come across. I mean, let's just assume for a moment that allegedly he's a serial killer and he may be responsible for the disappearance of at least these five men that we know about. You know, when people go missing, especially adults, unless we've got evidence and proof of foul play, mm-hmm. it's very hard for investigators to start drawing conclusions in the early stages. So as time goes on and patterns start to form and information starts to come in, they still don't have any evidence. They don't have any crime scenes. They don't have any forensics, nothing to really go on other than perhaps a gut feeling or a theory that potentially there is a serial killer operating and in this situation operating in the gay community of Toronto. So it's very complex and uh, to try and work a case like this and break it to the point where you've got a good lead and you're, you're onto a potential suspect and making that arrest is, is a, a, an awful lot of work. And, uh, these can be the most exhausting and extensive investigations that uh, police officers can go through. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were pretty stunned because uh, it was only about a month ago that the chief of police had come out and said, no, we don't believe that there's a serial killer. I think it was, uh, you know, calming of public fear um, that something was going on because, of course, there was Tess Ritchie who was found murdered in a stairwell just a, a month and a half ago. Um, and then to hear this announcement that there is a, 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 an arrest and a, and a possibility that there are more victims out there, uh, people were really shocked by that. But, you know, he had been, according to our own Catherine McDonald, being watched for some time, possibly since the fall. They were watching his movements. Right. And that's the good news. I mean, <clears throat> I know that there's a lot of concerns and a lot of criticism coming out of the community about when the, uh, the police actually started investigating this as a potential serial criminal or serial serial killer. And, and I can tell you, if they weren't saying it, I've been in these uh, project rooms uh, all my life, and if they weren't saying it out loud to the public, it doesn't mean that they weren't thinking it and that they weren't conducting a very uh, extensive investigation to, to see if there were some linkages. And really, uh, I mean, if you can call it this in a case like this, th- this is kind of a good news day in terms of catching potentially and allegedly a serial killer, getting him off the street, you know, allowing the community to have some closure and some understanding of what happened and who might have been responsible. So this is kind of a, a very big day. Yeah. And and I think the police have done a really good job. And maybe they didn't communicate in a way that the the public or or in particular the gay community would have liked. And I understand that. Uh, it, it sometimes can be frustrating, concerning, it can be upsetting, but the police have to protect the integrity of their investigation. And while they're working quietly behind closed doors and, and conducting their their investigation. Ultimately, they came up with the right results, and they and they appear to have got this guy off the streets and and are on to the next phase of the investigation, which potentially is even bigger than the initial phase. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they have an awful lot of work to do. Yeah, I mean, look, when it comes to serial killings, I mean, the reason that they become serial killers is because they're so meticulous. They can go on for years and years and years without being noticed. They fly under the radar. but when we talk about this part of the investigation, now that they've got the accused in, and I don't know what he has maybe told police what they're working on, but they've got multiple properties that they'll be coming through. They've got to go through uh, computers, uh, dating apps, where it's alleged that maybe that's where he, he met his alleged victims. There's so much ground that they have to, to cover now. Absolutely. And um, I would imagine there's a a significant amount of resources, you know, being applied to this investigation that officers are working around the clock. I mean, obviously right now it's not just about the the gathering of evidence, but it's actually about doing some dignity to these people that have been missing and and it's to recover their bodies and to allow their their loved ones and their families to give them a proper burial and to, to again, give some closure to the, to the victim's families. So there's this case, uh, has probably just just reached a tipping point whereby they they probably have uh, even more work to do now. Yeah, and it could span across not just Canada, but apparently this 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 accused man had traveled. So I mean, they would then be working with jurisdictions in other cities, possibly other countries. Correct? Absolutely, they're going to be looking at where he's been, and um, you know, there's a high high likelihood that he's visited other gay communities and other cities uh, potentially around the world. And if, and if he has, how long was he there? Who did he come in contact with? And do they have a similar issue there where there's a person or people that suddenly vanished and went missing? Yeah. But, uh, you know, serial killers, they, they tend to, uh, 
to hunt and to target areas that they're very familiar with, and that appears to be the case here. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that uh, this is the only place that he may have acted out, but it's certainly a big part of the investigation. They have to figure that one out as well. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna park that because we could honestly go on about that story because that, that I think this is going to be an enormous investigation and I think it's going to be a continually growing story. So I want to park that and I want to put you on the spot because this Toronto Star investigation has just dropped and it's a pretty big bombshell because according to Kevin Donovan who did the investigation, uh, the the Star says that Honey and Barry Sherman were quote murdered in a professional contract killing according to sources and I'll read you just some of the highlights of, of new information. It was marks on the Sherman's wrists indicating that they had been tied up, although no rope was ever found. Um, Men's belts around the neck caused ligature compression. And a second autopsy done by the former chief forensic pathologist of sick kids determined that it was murder. So he says that they he believes that they did not die by hanging. Instead, the working theory is that they were strangled with the belts attached to the railing, holding them in a seated position. I, I don't want to put you on the spot to speculate of what we're looking here, but this is a much different account than the initial report that we heard from Toronto police that it was a murder-suicide. Yeah, it sure is. And you're right, we shouldn't speculate at this time. You know, I can't say that I, I quite frankly know everybody that's doing the investigation on behalf of the family. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for all of them and, and their skills and abilities you know, that being said, it, I, I don't know where this story came from and exactly what the source is, but it, it's an interesting one. And, and let's just talk uh, what ifs. I mean, if in fact this is the case, if in fact it is a double murder and it was done in this, this manner and, and this mechanism, it's uh, it's very unique. It's not something that you would expect to see. It's not. It sort of falls outside yeah. the parameters of what we would truly believe happened in that home. So if somebody has gone in there and somebody has done what is being reported in the star, that that would be quite extraordinary. What happens when um, a, a, a family goes to an outside source? And in this case, they hired Brian Greenspan. Uh, they hired their own detective teams or the investigators. And they're obviously they hired their own pathologist. He would have been highly accredited with, with his working background. What happens when you get something like this? Um, that seems to undermine uh, what the work of the Toronto police is. How does that then work with the detectives on the ter- the Toronto side and the police side? Would they then now work together, look at these things? How does that work? Um, I don't think so. I, I think, like any source, um, the homicide investigators would obviously want to know this information and, and hear their opinion and so on. But, you know, this is an ongoing active investigation. It's a we have to call it a death investigation until the police tell us something differently. So I'm sure that they'd be interested in hearing what the other side has to say. And, and uh, you know, what does it change? Well, it depends on what the investigators are thinking and following up on and believing today. And we don't, none of us know that. And I think that's appropriate. The, the police are quietly doing their work. And at the time that they feel is the appropriate time, they're going to make an announcement. So... Um, it, it'll be interesting to see if the police come down with the same conclusion. I, quite frankly, have never seen a case that has gathered this kind of publicity, including what we're talking about, Alex, where, you know, a family has hired a, yeah. a very professional team that's come out publicly, if the, if it is them that has come out publicly and, and have started making uh, some some uh, comments that quite differ what the police initially thought. And well, I'd, I'd like to yeah. comment on that just for a moment. Um 
you know, there was a, there was a lot of, of controversy and talk about what the police initially said. And that's one of the reasons that police services are reluctant sometimes to say something, you know, and including if you flip over to the, the MacArthur case right now, the police are reluctant to say serial killer or that the cases are linked until they have evidence of that because, uh, you know, there is a lot of criticism if, if they get it wrong. So back to the Sherman case, I think they were probably compelled that based on what they initially saw, that they were trying to alert the public that they didn't feel that there was a risk to the public in terms of a, a murderer running around the neighborhood yeah. or something like that. So, you know, I, I, I kind of understand what it is they said and what it is they did initially. Mm-hmm. But if that, if that changes, I think we have to accept that investigations. Uh, yeah, they do. They quite often are, are very complex and you see what you see when you initially get there and you start your work and you may find something completely different. Yeah, and I, and I pointed that out with the Della Millard situation in um, a relation to the uh, shotgun death of his father, Wayne Millard. It wasn't until a year later with the Tim Bosma murder that they had to reopen that investigation, which was ruled a suicide, and then it brought them back to charging Della Millard further with that first-degree murder. So it can take on uh, a much different story. Thank you so much. I put you on the spot on that, but I do really appreciate your insight. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Dave Perry joining us tonight here on Point.